0: Hey, guys, you're here with Dr. Molly
1: and Todd Rowland,
0: and we're bringing you the podcast, the business side of the pet industries. Today, we're here with Shwanda Flowers, managing director of First Financial Bank. Oh, hi, Shwanda. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. So we're really excited for Shwanda to be here today. She's kind of an she is an expert in her field on financing and some of the different avenues and things that are available to some of those of us in the pet industry, such as like kennels and mobile vet techs things like that that we're just going to try to give you guys some different options that you might not know are available and then she'll she'll go over some of that and then also go ahead and give us the information on kind of what sets them apart and is so great so Swanda, um how long have you been kind of working with the pet industry and let's get a little bit of background on on you as a person too
2: yeah. Thank you so much. So, um, so currently I am the managing director at First Financial Bank of a division that's called professional services. Um, and that did- and we are SBA lenders, um, SBA specialists, and one of our specialty areas is veterinary medicine and pet care. Um, and so we actually sort of accidentally ended up in the pet care business about five years ago. Um, we have a long history in a lot of other industries at First Financial Bank, um, and had some of our customers actually ask us about financing a pet resort. Um, and this was this was a little bit new to me so I'm in Arkansas uh, I was just starting to see these pop up you know and um, and so I was very interested um, and intrigued and so once we started looking at it um, we have just really enjoyed being in this industry just working with the owners um you know the the financials right now look great so as a lender you know we really enjoy this industry and adding those to our portfolio um and so it's been about five years or so that we've really sort of, you know, immersed ourselves into the pet care industry. Um, Prior to that, so I'm a pharmacist, uh, full disclosure. I don't own a pet care facility, um, but I do. I do have two Frenchies that frequent um, doggy daycare. Um, so I guess maybe that qualifies for something. But um, so I'm a pharmacist by training. Uh, I owned a community pharmacy, and after I sold that, I taught for a little bit. And what I taught was entrepreneurship and business planning, business financials in the healthcare sector, specifically pharmacy. And um, anyway, we had a project that we ended up working with First Financial Bank on. And then the next thing you know, I'm looking for a bank. And so um, we have a little bit of a different perspective um, when it comes to lending. Um, And so most of our lenders are professionals or small business owners.
0: Okay, perfect. Because that's something that in the pet industry, you know, having someone that you can go to and talk to about that, it's not just cut and paste. It's not book value. It's so much more than that. So having someone that you know, that's their primary goal is that pet care space. Like that is, you just don't see that often. So we wanted to definitely make sure to bring this to people. Um. So what would you say actually, besides, you know, you have that, that focus in the pet care and the veterinary medicine, what actually sets you guys apart and your service apart from other lenders?
2: Well, you know, I hope the thing that, that is the most important um, and what's most important to us is really kind of how we treat our customers and that relationship that we develop with our customers. So um we are we're kind of a large bank, we're starting to grow now, we lend nationally, but we have a very small t- community bank feel. Um, We have a very high touch model with our customers. um, And that's something that's really important, not just to our bank, you know, as as our philosophy, um, you know, some of our core pillars, but also to each of our lenders. So, you know, for us, the very first conversation that we have with a customer, um, that is my customer, um, I am with you every step of the way. And I don't care if it takes us five years, you know, to find the facility you want or build what you need or do whatever. But, you know, I am your contact person from that first conversation until you pay your loan off. So we don't hand you off to different departments. Um, you know, our cell phones for our lenders, that's our work phones, you call that text us, you know, anytime. Um, and, and I think that's what sets us apart from other lenders. Um, we're not going to sell your loan to somebody else, and you get a letter in the mail saying now your payments to somebody else, you know, um, but we're there to service every need that you have through the entire process. Um, and I do think that that's really unique, especially when When you get to a bank of our size, the thing is that, you know, we do in-house underwriting. So we have a phenomenal team with us. um, And so we can do in-house underwriting primarily with SBA. And I think that that allows us to hopefully provide a little bit of an easier um, experience for the customer Uh, you know, getting loans is never easy. I would be lying if I said that this was just an easy process. Um, And so I, I think that that sets us apart as well.
0: Uh, Yes, especially with the SBA, you know, you get into a a government space, something like that small business association, and they have their own set of rules and criteria. So, and things you have to meet, you have to navigate through, and that can be overwhelming in itself. So, you know, as a small business owner, you know, we always hear, oh, well, there's, there's all these opportunities available, or there's all these different options. And then, you know, so well, where do you go? You know, not everyone has an SBA branch that's local or something. And then, so you get online and then you try, you know, I tried- You get
1: lost in all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I've tried for- Absolutely. Just to try to set up an appointment with a local SBA branch. And it's like, I could never even find a phone number of someone to call and, you know, and just to get general information. And so, you know, that's good to know that there's someone out there that works specifically with the SBA. You guys have been through the process- over and over, and are familiar with what they require, how to get it, and can actually walk someone through that otherwise overwhelming process.
2: Yeah, I agree. It is it is not an intuitive process, and if you only do one or two SBA loans a year, that's really tough for a bank to do that, you know, efficiently and seamlessly. And so um, that's it's a challenge, and so it is it's a huge advantage that that's what we're doing every single day for sure.
1: And what I know we have some topics, but one of my questions was, and I don't know if we've pre-covered it, but was, what does a business owner in this industry need to get ready? Like, let's say they're yeah. going to prepare prepared to sell. They, they they, think, okay, I'm ready in the next two years. I, I would like to put this show. What is the things that they need to start taking care of?
2: Yeah, that is a great question and probably one of the biggest sort of speed bumps that we hit you know along the way um, because remember you know we're not just navigating the borrower, right? because the borrower is our customer, but we also have to navigate that relationship and communication with the seller um, very often. and so um, and that can be tricky if the seller's not prepared. So if you have a facility and you know or a business that you're thinking about selling, you really need to think about, okay, do I have my financials ready? Um, And a bank is going to ask for last three years of business tax returns. Um, And then we're also going to ask for the most recent year profit and loss or income statement and a balance sheet. And, you know, it's funny how many people we talk to and they sort of look at you, you know, deer in the headlights like, uh, okay, let me figure out where all that stuff is, you know, or let me find it or my accountant has it. And, and, you know, we want to, you know, have great people working for us, you know, that, that do some of those things for us and prepare some of these documents, but you really need to be prepared with, for, with that. So you need to know that I've got those done. You need to know what it, what it says. I mean, what did those look like? Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, you know, one of the things to think about is even though you have those documents, you know, there's a lot of personal expenses as a small business owner that we can, you know, run through our business, you know, that, that are legitimate expenses that maybe the new owner, a a buyer of our facility is not going to incur. Okay. And and we want to make note. A lot of times people get really protective and they think, oh, I don't, I don't want to, you know, say that I've you know my cell phones are paid for by the business or you know whatever it is um and that, you know, that you don't need to do that. You know, if, if you're getting ready to, to sell, that's okay. You should have a list of things that, you know, these are these are perks, these are things that that are, you know, personal expenses that are shared by the business, um, you know, et cetera, that you can then pass along and say these may or may not be incurred by a new owner. Um, and they're going to improve your bottom line. It, it makes your net income look better, um, not worse. And so just having those financials prepared being prepared with what kind of personal expenses might show up on your business balance sheet or your income statement um, so that, you know, you can normalize those financial statements for the the buyer and for the bank.
0: Well, that's a good point. Um, you know, like you said, people look at it like, well, I don't want to say anything or I don't want to this. Everything that, you know, might be an expense for us that you don't have to incur as an expense, that's just more money in your pocket. So it does right. keep in track of that. And like you said, you are the buyer's agent, but you want to help get the business to where it needs to be because without the seller, your buyer has no business to buy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they do go hand in hand. So that that's some great information to have out there. Uh, what would you say, like, what are some of the different types of lending options available to, and do you guys mainly work with like a startup business or businesses trying to acquire other businesses? Is there really a difference in the process and what's available? And just kind of, if you could share a little on that.
2: Yeah. And that that question too, because um, I think that we do both. So I I primarily our business business, I would say the majority of our portfolio is going to be acquisitions. So it, it may not be that they you already own a pet care business and you're buying another one. But but acquiring, you know, that 100 percent change of ownership. So either an individual who has been in the pet care industry or has not acquiring um, a, a currently operating business. That's that's probably the majority of what we do. Um, we do see a lot of startups. We do a lot of startups still, startups are a little bit tougher, um, especially in the current industry uh, or in uh, interest rate environment. Um, You know, startups are riskier. We don't have historical financials to look at. Um, You're, you know, you're looking at paying back some higher interest rates. So what we really look at with startups is a really good business plan. You know, have you prepared yourself individually as a borrower? So do you have some cash reserves? Have you done your homework with the location and your competition? Um, So we want to really well out business plan with some projections if you want, you know, financing for a startup. And then the other thing that we do a lot of is the expansion. And and that may be, um, you know, pet care facility owners or pet care industry owners of some type of business, maybe it's a groomer, trainer, um, whatever, expanding and buying another, you know, operation. Um, it may be a current owner expanding their own practice and building a building. So we have a lot of customers who operate in leased spaces. Um, and there's great advantages to expansions with SBA. So we do a ton of expansions and construction. Okay, Perfect.
1: Uh, I know we just kind of talked about what the seller would need to have ready for a potential buyer. What does the potential buyer maybe need to do homework on before they ever reach out to your bank?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting often is that um, and we say all the time when we're talking to people that this has got to be a business decision. And um, you cannot make a decision to to buy a business um, based off of personal feelings, you know, or I just, I want this, you know, it can't be emotional. Um, But, but so often that's, you know, those emotions creep in and we get excited and, you know, um, and it's just human nature. That's natural. Um, But as a buyer, what we hear so often is I want to buy this business, but I haven't seen the financials. And, and I have to tell them, no, you don't, you don't know that you want to buy that until you look at the financials. So, you know, you might love the location, you might love, you know, the concept, maybe the website's great. I don't know. But Don't know that you want to acquire that business until you look at the financials. So as a buyer, you need to expect that seller to provide good financials. Um, You need to be able to take a look at that so you can make a good informed decision. Um, You also want to have a partner. So it's never too early to talk to a lender um, or your accountant or attorney, but, but somebody who is in the industry that you can trust to also take a look at those financials and say, not going to work or not at that price or, you know, whatever. I mean, but so that they can give you um, some really good professional advice about what you're seeing on those financial documents. Um, And then you need to have your personal finances in order. So you need to know your credit score. Be sure that there's nothing there that's going to be an issue for the bank or surprise you, you know, if you haven't looked at your credit report, which so many people don't do. Um, You need to have your three years of personal taxes prepared and ready. And if you own another business, you need to have those um, business taxes ready for the last three years and then current year P&L and balance sheet for your business as well. It's also a great idea to keep up with your personal financial statement. Um, You know, a lot of individuals, they find all of a sudden, they feel like a daunting request, you know, to fill out a personal financial statement. But just keep a personal financial statement so that you know, okay, here's everything I own. Here's everything I owe. You know, what do I look like on paper? Because a lender is going to look at that. You know, do you have a lot of revolving debt? Do you have, you know, what's there? Um, And then do you have some collateral? So whether that's cash on hand, um, real estate, but you know, do you have some collateral that you can offer the bank um, when you go to them to request a, a loan?
0: Okay. Um, and then after the loan process, you talked a little bit about this. So, like, let's say someone comes through you, they're they're only going to deal with you. Like, they're not going to be passed on, and um. I know you also like let's say you're talking about it's important for them to have someone, even if it's not their lender, um, a legal person, you know, if you're acquiring a business or you're going into something substantial, not everyone has a lawyer they trust or not everyone has a financial person. Do you guys are those things that you guys can offer recommendations or have resources that you can provide so they're not going in blind?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we do, we have several partners, whether that's, you know, accounting partners, legal partners, um, um, consulting partners, I mean, things like that, that, you know, we don't necessarily get anything from. So, you know, we're not getting referrals from, from sending uh, referral fees for sending people to them. Um, But we've worked with, with individuals over the years and we know those people that we can and that do an excellent job, and and we often will recommend those, and and recommend that potential customers, you know, borrowers will seek them out, you know, and just contact them um, to see if that's a good fit for what they might need. Um, but we do highly recommend that you work with somebody specialized in the industry, whatever industry that is. Um, it really helps to have somebody who either is, you know, very adept and sees purchase agreements for that type of industry all the time, those finances and tax returns for. That that industry all the time, Um, because each industry is different. And so that's why we feel like it's very important to be specialized. um, So that when you are looking at those, you really are, you know, looking at them with a keen eye of, you know, I've seen financials all over the country for this industry, I know what to expect, or what we should expect them to look like, or, you know, you recognize when something's a little off. um, and, And that makes all the difference in the world. And so we absolutely recommend partners like that all the time.
0: Okay, perfect. Because I know that can be kind of overwhelming. It's Mm -hmm. like, you you are jumping into something, you are making that investment. And it's like, you know, well, I don't know, You, you know, you know, so that's good to know. Sometimes you just don't even know where to start.
2: Absolutely. It can be, it, it's overwhelming. It can certainly be daunting regardless of if you've done it before um, you know, it it's still, it can be a very daunting process. And so it's important to have those people that you trust um, to be able to give you that advice.
1: And we've seen that over and over again. It's one reason we started the podcast is because people will be in a certain industry and they think, Oh, my aunt is a great insurance agent. And they, but yeah. maybe a great insurance for your regular house and your regular car, but maybe not your commercial vehicle, your commercial property and your liability that come along with that. And so we've seen people be get a little bit of trouble when there is an accident, not being properly covered, or, you know, they talk to their CPA and don't think they have to collect maybe sales tax and own a certain item. And when, if you've, if you've actually <laughs> did, the research, you do, but, but they're just not diverse in the industry. And so we've, we found it very important that you have to find the right people.
2: I totally agree. I totally agree.
0: So, Well, we know it'll be, sorry, we know it varies kind of based on criteria and everything um, and what maybe particular loan they're getting. But we talked a little bit about having your financials in order, about knowing your credit score. But is there like kind of a general thing that, uh, you know, they can kind of expect, I need to get, when applying for a loan, like we need to get our credit score up to a certain amount or we need to have X amount down or does that kind of... How does that vary? I guess based on the type of loan and and who what you're applying for, if that makes sense. Yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, minimum credit score. I mean, it's pretty standard across most lenders. You know, we're you know we want to see something in the seven hundreds, but you know, many of us have maybe a lower credit um, minimum based on you know, something happened, there was a life event. I mean, there, there obviously could be special circumstances of things that might show up on a credit report that would, you know, ding your credit score. And so we want to look at it on an individual basis. But I would say as a general rule, um, you know, you want a credit score, you know, in the hundreds um, to so that we don't have questions or concerns or it's not a red flag, you know, when we're trying to get it approved. Um, as far as a down payment, um, it, it kind of depends on the loan. And so we primarily do, SBA 7a loans. And those loans are anywhere from, you know, $300,000 to $5 million. What you can expect when you're acquiring a business and and applying for one of those loans is a 10% down payment. So you need to be prepared for that 10% down payment it's an expansion. And I mentioned that there are lots of advantages to expanding your business. Um, And so one of those is that the down payment can be waived. And in lieu of that, we can, the equity, so down payment or cash injection, equity injection, we can use equity in your current business in lieu of a cash equity injection. Mm -hmm. And so that's a huge advantage. Um, And so, but those are some things to certainly be prepared for.
0: Yeah. And that is a huge advantage, especially if you're taking over, you know, like you said, expanding, you're going to kind of maybe want that more cash on hand, mm-hmm. to adapt some things, make some changes.
1: Yeah. So what is, um, what is the process like when someone finds a place, how, what, what time from the time they reach out to you? And let's say the seller has all their stuff ready and the buyer <laughs> has all their stuff ready. How, what's the process length? What are people looking at?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it, it, you know, sometimes we have conversations with people and they don't have a target in mind. Right. Um, And so that process can, Take years, right, to find the right right spot, the right fit. If you have a a target acquisition in mind and the seller is prepared to sell, and you guys have really already had some of those negotiations, so you're you know you're familiar with the financials, you know that those are available, they've been shared with you, you're sort of ready to actually apply. Um, often, what we really want to see before we take a full application, we do want to sort of know that you have a letter of intent. Um, it can be on the back of a napkin or it can be a full, you know, a, a full document. We've seen it always. But just so that the buyer and seller have agreed on a certain purchase price, um, you know, what we don't want to do is is go through the process of getting that approved by committee and then you coming back and saying, oh, they actually wouldn't take that. And, you know, now we have to sort of redo it. So if those things have happened and, and you've sort of agreed upon this purchase price, um, then it probably takes us about a week, week and a half to get it prepared, have all the documents in, look at, do our credit analysis, look at the cash flow, have conversations with the borrower about other things like do you need some renovation dollars? Do you need extra working capital? You know, what are some other needs that we might need to include in the loan? And then we take that to loan committee. Um, we go to loan committee every Tuesday. And our loan committee, I also think, is probably a little unique to us, but um, we verbally present. Each loan application to loan committee. We tell the story of the borrower. We tell the history of the business. We talk about the cash flow. It is just as much about who the borrower is and the business that they're buying and what they're are for that, why they want to acquire it. Um, That is equally as important to us, you know, as just, you know, the Excel document with the financials. Um, So after committee, then things start rolling. You know, once we get that approval, you're probably looking at about 45 to 60 days, depending on appraisals and business valuations and things like that. So we always do a business valuation as part of the underwriting process. Um, That takes several weeks, you know, once we order it and have questions and, and all of those those things and that's done by an outside party source that does SBA business valuations, um, and then appraisals. And I will say for anybody listening who's been through this recently, appraisals seem to take the longest. Um, so waiting on those appraisals of either the commercial real estate or either e- even personal real estate that we're using as collateral, um, sometimes those take four to six weeks. And so, um, but but then after that, um, our underwriting is a few, you know, 10 days and and then we can close the loan. So I would say typically after loan committee approval you're looking at 45
0: to 60 days. That's not a bad timeline. Yeah. Um, I do love that you actually do present them. Like you said, it it brings that personal aspect to it. And it's like, you're now talking about a person, you're talking a business. You're not just looking at numbers on a spreadsheet. And I do. I think that that's important in some of these cases,
2: Gonna- I will tell you the first time uh, we I took a pet care facility, um, pet resort uh, to loan committee. It was the questions were were pretty funny because it was you know blueberry facials and bedtime and cuddles. And I mean, you know, they had a really good time, you know, with all the add-ons that are available. And um, and so those in there that were, you know, that are puppy and, and dog and cat parents, they totally got it. They're like, oh, absolutely. You know, we do this. And others are like, what in the world? So, um, but yeah, we talk about all those things. I mean, you know, the details of the business are very important, um, you know, to, to our bank.
1: And so y'all are mainly dealing with 300K and up. Is mm-hmm. that correct?
2: That's correct. So there are some SBA loans for smaller amounts are uh, some SBA express loans, um, you know, for us, we do, we do deal with mostly larger loans, Um, you know, and oftentimes it might make more sense, you know, for a direct loan and not to go the SBA route, you know, for some of those very small asks, Um, you know, I will say, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that go into an SBA loan. And so, you know, it, it can be cumbersome and it can be a little, you know, confusing. And that's why we want to walk you through that process, but we certainly don't want to do that, you know, and, and sort of put individuals through, you know, all of those, in that process if it's a very small ask and maybe maybe there's a better more efficient way to to get those dollars for that business
1: okay. does it help uh, if someone's looking at a business if there's real estate involved or does it really make that much of a difference
2: yeah you know interestingly enough it, it can make a huge difference so one of the advantages with an SBA 7a loan with real estate is that we are allowed to go up to a 25year loan term so Typically, you know, if you're going to buy just the business asset, you're going to buy a business, you're not purchasing any commercial real estate with that business, it would be a maximum of a ten year loan term. And you know the important thing is cash flow, right? So when we look at adding the real estate, what we look at is if the real estate is worth fifty one percent or more of that purchase price, then we can go up to twenty five years. If the real estate is worth worth less than 51%, then we would do a blended term. So essentially we would look at what is the value of the business assets? What is the value of sort of the fixed assets you know equipment um you know those types of things and then what's the value of the commercial real estate and we can do a blended term anywhere between 10 and 25 years but that really helps with cash flow so the longer the term um the much easier it is you know to then service that debt each month okay.
0: oh yeah i had no idea that the the difference in that term was so significant yeah so yeah, when you're
2: talking about cash flow, I mean, for it, you, makes <laughs> it makes a huge difference. Makes a difference. It make, and that's what's important. I mean, you know, we get that question a lot. You know, um, you know, a, a borrower will call us and say, you know, how much could I qualify for for a business loan? Um, and you know, that's not the way it works on a business. And so, I'll, you know, we've talked about we want you to be a good. Creditworthy borrower, um, but at the end of the day, what matters is what is the cash flow generated by the business you want to purchase, and that's going to dictate you know how much you can borrow. You know, so can you service the debt with the cash flow of that business? So you know, a, a borrower could be five hundred thousand, it could be five million, um, but really, what that's going to depend on is what is that business generating from a net income cash flow perspective, and can that then service the debt?
0: And what is there a, a general range that that needs to be like? What would the that cash flow to percentage st- be? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, would you look at that? If let's say you know you're you you owe me a hundred thousand dollars a year uh, for your debt service, right? So that's what that's what Swand and FF back from you for this loan a hundred thousand dollars a year. If the cash flow of that business is a hundred thousand dollars a year, it's probably not going to work. Okay. It's too close. Something could happen. Anything could happen. Um, And so, an illness, I mean, a natural disaster, I mean, just, you know, I mean, all kinds of things could happen. And so, that's just too close. So, SBA actually requires that we have 115%. Okay. So, an extra 15% over that. Our bank prefers to see 130%. Okay, so if you're above one hundred and thirty percent on that cash flow, then, you know, you should be in a really good position. Um, And then we're also going to look at you globally, what we call a global cash flow, because we have to be sure that you can still support your personal debt as well, right? So we're also then going to add in anything that you own personally and be sure you can continue to service all of the debt because we don't want to put you in a position where, okay, maybe you can pay us back, but you can't pay any of your other you know, creditors back. So that, that's not ideal either, right? So we do, we look at both of those things and be sure that you can service all of your debt globally um, in addition to that business being able to serve the business debt.
0: Well, that's good. And like you said, that is different. And a lot of people wouldn't know that. Like, you know, like you said, you go to buy a house and they tell you what you qualify for based on your income. You know, you go to buy a business and it's, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's based on how much money that business and profit and loss and debt. And it's like, you're not limited to that 300,000. You know, if you're looking at something much greater, because if it's financially stable and we're always telling people their financials are so important. They're so important. Mm-hmm. That's in their personal life, their work life. And this is just another example.
1: And, and it seems like for some reason in the pet industry that people put their financials on the back burner of the whole everything. Business of everything. Yeah. It seems
2: so it's not it's not just the pet business, pet care industry. <laughs> I would say that probably small business in general, you know, and, and I, I guess I would, you know, even speaking from putting my practitioner hat back on as a pharmacist, you know, regardless of what business you know industry we are deciding to go into it's usually because we're passionate about it or we're interested in it and we enjoy it right i mean at least that should be our goal right is that we enjoy the business that we're in and when that's the case sometimes you're exactly right um people get caught up in working you know in the business and not on the business and you hear that a lot that you've got to be able to step back be in that back office focus on the business not just running that day in the business. And you may enjoy, you know, taking care of the animals. You may enjoy, you know, grooming. You may enjoy all the things that you might enjoy. And that's great. But what's most important is that you take a step back and be sure that your business is financially sound and that you're making good decisions. For your business moving forward, so that you can grow um, and continue to make more money, because then obviously that's the other goal, right? Because we're not going to be in business if we can't continue to make money.
0: Oh, yeah, no, hundred percent. People are like, "Oh, I just I'll never be able to step back. I'll never," and that's what we tell them. Like we actually have a whole summit we we do on work on your business, not in your business. And Absolutely. That's not to say you have to step back from your industry and you can't be involved, but you have to carve out time, work it in your schedule, make it work. You know and understand these things like financials that the very few
1: studies that we've done is people who will actually step back like you should actually get in that office look at their numbers work on the business they think that they're such a big part of the business that it won't work without them but so many times if you could convince people to step back their profit margins increase because they're paying attention to everything
2: That's right. That is it's critical in every business. And, you know, I mentioned as a a pharmacist, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now in in the pharmacy world. And that's one of the things that we focus on because so many pharmacists won't step away from the counter, you know, and and we encourage them get get behind the counter, get back to your office, look at, you know, insurance reimbursements, like look at look at what's happening. And I promise you, you'll increase your net income. Um, And it's the same in the pet care industry. It's the same in human health. It's the same in animal health. and, and all small business owners need to hear that, but it's hard. It's hard for us because that business is your baby, right? That business is, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. And so feeling like you're handing over those day to day operations is can be very, very tough.
0: Oh, yeah. We've, we, I struggle with that still daily. I even struggle handing him something, you know, and- <laughs> <laughs> all day one, you know. So it's just like, it is hard. It is a struggle, but it's something that you have to find that balance. And, yeah. and- I know when I quit um, physically grooming or as I started stepping back more and more first with the mobile, then with the salon. And then, I mean, it's amazing the things that now I can focus on, you know, I can focus on quality and, you know, retention and, you know, the things that, you know, marketing and stuff. And again, just taking that over, making sure there's no missed phone calls and texts. And even if I'm not personally doing it, overseeing that to, you know, again, and that's, upped sales that's upped you know production it's all these things and you know which in turn helps the numbers but i wouldn't know if i didn't know you know if i didn't take the time to look at it so it's just amazing how knowing your financials and having that time carved out and making the time for it can affect so many different areas in the overall success of your business
2: yeah. It, you know, I tell people all the time, the financials should tell a story. And, you know, so many people think about their financials and they think, oh, I don't want to look at these numbers. You know, I'm not an accountant. I'm not. But looking those numbers and really kind of benchmarking looking at you know what you did you know 6 months ago you know first quarter last year first quarter this year i mean really taking a look at what's happening with those numbers should tell you a story about your business it will tell you where you're doing well where you're not doing well where the growth is where you can focus more energy less energy um but really to think about you know those financials should have you asking more and more questions about your business not it's not just a spreadsheet it's not just numbers it's a story
1: Yeah, because, like, for example, for January's numbers, we felt like January was a little bit slower, but but we weren't as involved this January as we were last year. When we actually looked up, I think we were like 26% up from last January. Mm -hmm. But to us, it felt because we weren't physically doing all, helping with everything, we Mm -hmm. were a few select things. And it was like, oh, wow.
0: So again, just having those numbers to look at and knowing what they mean and kind of go along with that. You're talking about finding a specialist, like, you know, some people, if you're using an accountant that doesn't want to explain to you or doesn't want to take the time to let you understand, find a new accountant, find a new (laughs) Uh CPA. Like that's the same with legal, like, you know, obviously if you're purchasing, you're doing one of these acquisitions and even 300 to 5 million, I mean, that's still a lot of money, no matter what amount it is. Like you want to understand what you're signing. You want to understand what you're getting into. So it's like, if you're using a legal aid, that's not going to take the time to go through that with you. Oh, you can trust me. Well, no, I can't like, I'm responsible for this. Not you. Mm -hmm. You I think it's just important, you know, if you don't understand and you don't have someone that will explain it, find that person, you know, yeah, isn't a good fit because you've known them or you've used them in the past.
2: Yeah. And we tell people all the time, you know, and, and I, I bet if I had to, I bet I talked to five times as many people that the deals never work than I do to get one, you know, to one to work. And I will spend hours with people, you know, helping them understand, okay, you know, why this doesn't cash flow or why maybe they're asking too much or what do these financials mean? Or, you know, and, and I think that shouldn't surprise people that your lender or your accountant or somebody is willing to do that for you, because that really should be the relationship that you have. Um, It should not be just an email that says, oh, it didn't work, you know, not going to be able to do it. It really should be, let me help you understand why. Um, And then, you know, then you're better informed next time. And so I think that something that's very important to us is that we can provide education in the industry and, you know, help support the industry the industry and help really good owners, you know, continue to own and grow and it's aspiring owners that are going to be great, understand how to do that. Um, and so we, we do not mind at all spending as much time as we need to with our customers just to be sure that they, they understand what's going on. They understand the financials. It makes sense what we're saying about cash flow. Um, I mean, that's, that's critical. And, and whoever's listening, you, you should expect nothing less than that, you know, from every partner that you have.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, Now we'll post your, your information, but is there just somewhere like if someone, you know, they're listening to this and they want to reach out to you, is there a, a good, better preferred method? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, they can obviously email me and you're going to share that, but it is, it's sflowers at ffb1.com. And then ffb1.com is our website. We've got lots of great tools and information. We have a specialty section just for pet care. Um, We have a blog there um, on our website, We have uh, business plan tools, calculators, you know, loan calculators, um, but lots of great resources there. We've got um, not just testimonials about, you know, kind of maybe if we've done a good job, but also just some really cool stories about some of our customers. And so, um, you know... Definitely, you know, check out the website and hopefully there's a helpful resource there um, for those listening. You know, regardless if we ever do a loan for them, we hope that those resources are are helpful to anyone who who takes a look.
0: Okay, perfect. We'll be sure to put that out too. But thank you for sharing this information. Yep. Um, it's definitely needed and you know, that conversation I think will really help a lot of business owners. Yep. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.